1: Now, here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam.
0: What's going on, everybody? And welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Tuesday, June 29th. Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White. And we've got a whole hodgepodge of things to talk about today fun with pace numbers, the dropo meter, trade talk, and much more. What's going on, Scott? It's only been like a few hours since we've talked.
1: Not much. <laughs> Not much. Some baseball action. Couches are still there. That's good to see. Yeah, nobody's taken them away yet.
0: No one's come in and uh, stole your couches. Not yet. Not yet. All right, let's talk a little baseball. Let's fire it up. What do you think, Susan? Oh, my goodness gracious. All right, Scott, I'm going to actually start us off here today. And we haven't had a negative oh, my goodness gracious in a while, but I think it's about that time because your boy right here decided It was a great idea to start Matt Manning in the Podcast Points League. Turned out not to be such a great idea. Three and two-thirds innings pitch, nine hits, nine earned runs. That is a 22.09 ERA for anybody who started him in a Roto League. He winds up with negative 12 fantasy points on CBS. Good thing I had Nick Castellanos have a monster game, literally, just to cancel out how bad Matt Manning was, so... (laughs) <laughs> Not sure what I was thinking starting a pitcher who had a sub-6% swinging strike rate with a 5.50x fit, but this is what I deserve, Scott, and I would tell anybody that if you wanted to spite drop Matt Manning, I have absolutely no problem with it. <laughs> well,
1: I don't know that I'd drop him out of spite, but...
0: There has I, to I be might, someone better I, available
1: I, than Matt Manning. I, I'm, I, I'm certain. I didn't. That. Well, I, I haven't added him in any leagues in the first place because he had an ERA over 8 at AAA. Good. And, good um, for you.
0: That was a smart decision. <laughs> Why did I do that?
1: I don't know. Now now he has an ERA over 8 in the majors with six strikeouts and 14 and a third innings. You mentioned the swinging strikes haven't been there. He had three in this start on, what was it, 66 pitches? It wasn't good. It wasn't good for old Matt Manning. 75 pitches. Oh, even worse. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's gone wrong with him because he was, he was a such a consistent performer in the minors with big strikeout rates. Uh, the ERA was always solid; it kept getting lower and lower. He had this supposedly great curveball that just hasn't shown up the time we've seen in the majors. I don't know what was going on with him at AAA to have an ERA that high. Also, the spin rate on his fastball is just dreadful. It's one of, one of the worst. I can remember seeing it's below 2000 RPM. And I think if I think it was finally above 2000 RPM, barely in this start, but I wonder if he's all there health wise. Cause I don't really understand the collapse. Otherwise this doesn't strike me as just a player struggling to adapt to the majors. Cause again, ERA over eight at triple a.
0: Yeah, it's, it is a tough, it's a weird situation for Matt Manning and along with the ERA over eight at triple a, he had just an 11% swinging strike rate in the minors this year. And yeah, he's not someone who had huge swinging strike totals in the minors, but every other level, he was pretty good. The strikeouts were also solid. So I know last year he got shut down at the alternate training site because of either a forearm issue, an elbow issue. I think it was forearm. Yeah. Yeah. It was something with his throwing arm. So it's just pure speculation. It, doesn't look like he's hurt but the way that he's pitching it it stands to uh to reason that something might be going on with matt manning so in redraft leagues if someone like zach thompson is available and you want to take a shot there kyle muller i don't have an issue dropping him for either of those do you scott nope all right would you try to buy low in a dynasty league or are you that worried i actually
1: sold low in a dynasty league <laughs> I don't know. I I don't know that I sold that low. Um, But, you know, the argument could be made. I traded him for two aging players. Players on the wrong side of 30. But they're useful to me now. And I was willing to sacrifice Matt Manning because his future is looking kind of murky all of a sudden.
0: Well, how did Cleveland score all those runs? They had six hitters with multiple hits on Monday, including Cesar Hernandez went three for five, Ahmed Rosario went three for five, Jose Ramirez went three for five with his 17th home run. He added five more RBI. Harold Ramirez went three for five. Bobby Bradley went two for five. And a gentleman named Ernie Clement went two for four with three runs scored. Admittedly, never heard of the guy, so I had to look him up. 280 career hitter in the minors. He does have some speed, has absolutely no power at all. So don't really have any interest in Ernie Clement, but thought I would mention him because why not? He had two hits. Uh, all right, Scott. Oh, my goodness gracious. For you, from one offensive juggernaut to another, what you got? I'm going with Keston
1: Hira. Yeah. Keston Hira homered for the third time in four games. And for at least the second time, I didn't see all three of those home runs, but at least for the second time, it was on a high fastball, which was the pitch that was just eating him alive. Uh, In in his prior two stints in the majors this year, he, uh, in his most recent AAA stint, got the strikeout rate around 25%. It was only in about 50 plate appearances, so obviously not talking a huge sample, but better. And he talked about how he he, uh, focused on making better swing decisions down there. And, you know, obviously it's just been a few games, but three of his four home runs this season have come in those few games since he returned. Obviously we know what kind of upside he possesses and he's available in more than 60% of CBS sports leagues. I believe might be time to take a flyer on him again.
0: Yeah. Kesson here are three homers in his last four games. I think most impressive. Sorry if you said this already, Scott, I was looking away at, at the Astros Orioles game, but, um, Among his five plate appearances, Kesson Hera did not strike out a single time. So I thought that that was most impressive for his game. I didn't mention it. Thank you for the useful contribution to the conversation, Frank. (laughs) That's what I'm here for. Sometimes, something like that, right? Useful contributions. uh, I'd like to say sometimes. Sometimes I I do throw that in there. But 48% rostered on CBS. And I'll throw a few names your way, Scott. You let me know. Would you drop any of these players? Because I kind of feel like In a points league, I'm not rushing out to get Kesson Hira because I still do think he's going to strike out quite a bit. But in a roto or a categories league, I kind of feel like if you don't strike now, you might miss out on the opportunity to pick up Kesson Hira. So let's figure this out. If you play in a roto league, would you drop Joey Wendell for Kesson Hira? Yes. Joey Wendell is 84% rostered, so that is pretty significant. How about Jeff McNeil, who recently returned, has not done much, but he did have a multi-hit game on Monday. Uh
1: probably couldn't do that, though. I'm I'm a little more excited about here at the moment. I just I don't feel like we have as much reason to doubt McNeil. Mm-hmm. So, no, I wouldn't do that.
0: I wouldn't do it either. Would you drop Gavin Lux? Yes. Would you drop Nick Solak? I believe I would. I would, He's too. He's been
1: pretty absent since April.
0: All right, so there you go. Some second baseman you can drop. Get Castaneda on your team if you play in a Categories or a Roto League, because just in case, just in case he finds that old form, uh, which, again, presented a lot of upside, as Scott mentioned. What else happened in that 10-run eighth inning that the Brewers had on Monday, which was, I looked down for one second and was like, okay, when did all this happen? Uh, Willie Adamas also hit a three-run homer in that inning, and he is now batting 286 with 11 doubles and six homers in 35 games with the Brewers. That is a 35-homer pace over 150 games. Willie Adamas is 43% rostered. And going to talk about him a little bit more in depth later on, Scott, but would you drop Glaber Torres for Willie Adamas? At the moment, I'm inclined to say
1: no, but maybe you'll love for some compelling... You'll give a compelling argument later. That'll change my mind. We'll see.
0: Yeah. All right. I'm gonna save it. It's a little tease for you. We'll talk more about Gleyber Torres, and we'll revisit this conversation. Willie Adamas for Gleyber Torres, but Adamas, uh, if you are in desperate need of a shortstop, he's playing very well since he has joined the Milwaukee Brewers. Before we hit the news and notes, just want to remind everybody that you can join our Fantasy Baseball Today Facebook group. That's Facebook.com/groups/slash/Fantasy Baseball Today, and there's a lot of conversation going on there. If We can't get to your questions because uh, we do get asked a lot of questions both via email and via Twitter, which we try to answer as many of them as we can. But if you have a question, you could bring it there and have a discussion with other listeners, people who watch the show on YouTube and stuff. So it's a really fun group. Check it out on Facebook. And of course, you could sign up for our newsletter, which is free. cbsports.com slash newsletters. You can find all of the CBS Sports newsletters there. Fantasy Football Today, which Chris writes, does a great job with. Fantasy Baseball Today, myself and Dan Schneier, we kind of tag team that. It's a lot of the things that we talk about on the podcast. So if you want to kind of read it while you're listening to the podcast, you could do that. Again, CBSports.com slash newsletters. It is free. News and notes from Monday. Cattell Marte was placed on the IL with a left hamstring strain retroactive to June 27th. And this is his other hamstring. So he had an IL stint earlier in the year where he missed like six weeks. It was a pretty lengthy absence. That was for his right hamstring. Now his left hamstring. So maybe he was overcompensating or something. I don't know. It sucks. But Ketel Marte, whenever he's played this year, has been really good. So that's what makes it even more frustrating. Mike Trout was transferred to the 60-day IL. The move does not have much of an impact on Trout's recovery timeline. He will not be eligible to return until July 17th, which is right after the All-Star break anyway, which is pretty much the timeline we've had for Mike Trout all along. Shane Bieber had a quick examination that went well on Monday. He'll have a follow-up in the next few days that should reveal more about his timeline. Again, Shane Bieber is on the aisle with that strained right shoulder. So hopefully getting some more news soon on Bieber. We did get some news on Corey Seager. Not good news. He has been experiencing uh, soreness when swinging a bat and has been shut down from hitting for now. Rough scene. Sonny Gray plans to start Friday's game against the Cubs. Scott, if you play in a daily lineup league, would you feel okay getting Sonny Gray back in the lineup, his first start against the Cubs?
1: I would rather not do that. It's not like he was lights out before going on the IL. Let's let's give him a chance to prove himself all over again.
0: Oh, my. And the Baltimore Orioles are trying to find a way to blow this game. Right before we started talent Scott, got my boy Paul Fry is in the game. He's going to get a win. He still might get a win, but man, uh, really just kind of blew up here in the ninth. So we will update you on that as it goes along. Anthony Rizzo uh, with his back and Colton Wong with his calf. They respa- uh, remain out of their respective lineups on Monday. Franmo Reyes is expected to return Saturday against the Astros. He is 78% rostered and had 11 home runs in 40 games before going on the I.L. That is a 41-homer pace over 150 games, Scott. Would you be sending some buy lowish offers out for Fran Mel Reyes right now? If you needed power? That doesn't seem like a bad idea.
1: I think the power output was legit, and it happened during a time of year when it was harder to hit than it is now. So... Yeah, it's not a bad idea to check and see what the cost is.
0: Dylan uh, Dylan Bundy left Monday's game against the Yankees due to heat exhaustion, and I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure if anyone else caught this, but he threw up on the mound. And I, if you, like, if you're watching a game, there was actually somebody behind home plate holding up his year-long ERA, and that's what made him throw up, Scott. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, I threw up when I realized how many leagues I drafted him in. Gosh. Dylan Bundy. It was funny the video. Like everybody at home plate scattered when he threw up. They just dispersed. The umpire went one way. The batter went another. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I I hope the guys are right, honestly. And it's like Chris and I were joking around earlier. We were doing the live stream Q and A here on YouTube, and uh, we were talking about how hot it was in New York on Monday, and it was like ninety five degrees out. So, yeah, it was a rough scene there for Dylan Bundy. I hope the guys are right, but. It's been a really rough year for him. Lucas Gilito and the White Sox versus Kent Maeda and the Twins were was postponed on Monday due to rain. That is now the second time in a row Kent Maeda's start has been pushed back. Marcus Stroman was placed on the bereavement list, but is still expected to start Saturday against the Yankees. Brandon Nimmo was originally supposed to return Tuesday, but will now continue his rehab assignment to get more at bats. He's still sixty percent rostered, which I thought was very high. So. Someone out there... Yeah, I was surprised, too. Someone out there really likes Brandon Nimmo. Lots of Mets fan maybe. Mets fan maybe. Kyle Freeland was removed from his start Monday with a hamstring injury. He was actually pitching pretty well against the Pirates. Five shutout with seven strikeouts. He had 12 swinging strikes at the time on 79 pitches, and he's allowed one earned run over his last two starts. His slider usage is way up. So, not saying there's anything there with Kyle Freeland. He's only 6% rostered, but... Throw him on the scout team. Let's let's well, see if there's anything. Yeah, really,
1: there. both of the breaking ball, slider, and curveball. These last two starts, he's he's really leaned into those. So it's always interesting when you see a pitcher's effectiveness coincide with a you know pitch selection change like that.
0: Yeah, Kyle Freeland. Throw him on the scout team. The Phillies hope to activate Gene Segura ahead of Tuesday's game against the Marlins. He is very quietly batting 332 with three homers and six steals on the season. Again, that is Gene Scarra. Willie Calhoun will undergo surgery on his fractured left forearm on Tuesday. It's been a rough couple of years for Willie in terms of uh, bad luck getting hit by pitches, I would say. Harrison Bader will continue his rehab assignment with AAA Memphis on Tuesday. He did have four homers and three steals in 22 games this season and is 10% rostered for those in deeper leagues. Five outfielders, you know, deeper than 12 teams, whatever. Harrison Bader. Uh, Some... Prospect updates. Mariner's super prospect. Julio Rodriguez was promoted to double A. He was batting 325 with six homers, five steals and 28 games at high A ball. He is only 20 years old. I don't I don't think we're gonna see Julio Rodriguez this year, Scott, but it would not be me if it would not surprise me if by next year he's the number one prospect in baseball entering the season. Oh, not at all. Yeah.
1: Not at all. I mean, I I suspect Franco and and Kelnick will have graduated by then, and and really, who else is in the discussion? Adley Rushman, maybe, but certainly for lists that are geared more toward fantasy, uh, those tend to push down the catchers a bit. So, yeah, I would I would say it's very likely Julio Rodriguez is number one heading into next year.
0: Cardinals prospect Nolan Gorman was promoted to Triple A. He was batting 288 with 11 homers, 27 RBI, and four steals in 43 games at AA. Uh, Yankees 18-year-old outfield prospect Jason Dominguez. You probably heard the name. He is a long ways away, so just keep that in mind. I mean, we're talking like three or four years from now. He was finally assigned to a level. He went to rookie ball in the Florida Complex League.
1: So, oh, yeah. We've been hyping him for years, it feels <laughs> like, and he has yet to play a minor league game. So. Yeah.
0: He made his <laughs> Looking debut. forward to it. I think he went 0-2 for 2 with a walk and a strikeout, but yeah, I mean, he's just starting rookie ball. Now he was signed when he was 16 years old. So Uh, people have labeled him the next Mike Trout, which is like completely unrealistic and unfair to him, but he's apparently this crazy level athlete uh, in the form of like a Bo Jackson, Mickey Mantle. That's what I've read about Jason Dominguez and Tampa Bay Rays prospect Shane Boz pitched five shutout with 10 strikeouts at triple a on Sunday Talked about Luis Patino yesterday. So the Rays are going to have some spots to fill in their rotation if they want to make a deep run this year. Maybe they give some of these young guys a chance. So Shane Boz, a name to pay attention to, Luis Patino, and Joe Ryan, though Joe Ryan uh, does not have the same level of prospect pedigree as those other two. The email of the day from Aaron. Do you think it's a good idea to try and sell high on Trevor Story before the trade deadline? I know he has a higher roto floor than most Rockies because of the steals. And I'm not sure if leaving cores will be offset by joining a stronger lineup elsewhere. Now it's not a sure thing that Trevor story gets dealt before the MLB trade deadline, but he's already kind of hinted that he doesn't want to re-sign with the Colorado Rockies. So it would, I guess make sense for them to at least shop around and see, like, I don't, I've seen like the Oakland A's as a possibility, which would be a terrible park shift for him, but Mm. it's just complete, complete like speculation. Someone brought up the Yankees, but it's like, they have way more issues than like trying to get Trevor Story right now and figure out that logjam. So I don't think that's realistic. We'll see what happens. Uh, I've s- seen the
1: Brewers, too, which wouldn't be bad.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, that would actually be not as good as Coors Field, but would be better than uh, Oakland, for sure. Last 15 games for Trevor Story, is betting 286 with four homers and six steals. So is Indeed coming around, Scott. What do you think about this idea? Trying to sell high on Story, because as we've seen with other players, you know, DJ LeMayhu, Matt Holiday, they leave Colorado. They were perfectly fine until this year for LeMayhew. Nolan Arenado this year, first season out of Colorado. He's in St. Louis. Kind of been an up and down season for him. Trevor story like the rest of them has huge home road splits in his career. So, what do you think?
1: Well, he's not exactly cooperating with the sell high idea because obviously he's hasn't performed anywhere near the level of the past three years and we all think if he stays in Colorado that he'll get back there. There's not anything – There's no. Ma- there are no major red flags or anything to to lead you to believe he's a different player now. Um, but that's generally not how the conversation goes when you're talking trades. <sighs> yeah, I mean, it would be foolish for the Rockies to hold on to him because he's a free – well, foolish. I mean, obviously they would offer him a um, – Oh, what's I forget what the term is, but you know, where uh they get a they get a compensation pick if he goes elsewhere. So, you know, there have been so many lowball offers for star players on expiring deals in recent years that I guess it's possible they'll just get lowballed and, and be better off uh be better off holding on to him and, and just getting a pick out of it after the season's over. But it it still stands to reason they will probably get more in an actual trade and, and, you know, there's obviously no controlling where he goes, you know, it's not going to be as favorable as Colorado, wherever it is. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So it's not a bad idea, but I'm putting together, um, an article, the, the first two rounds for the rest of the season. And I still have Trevor story as a second rounder if we're redrafting today for the rest of the season. Now, if he was for sure out of Colorado, maybe he wouldn't be as high as a second-rounder, but still, I I value him highly enough that you should get something really good in return. So, if, if you are interested in shopping him, that's that should be your mindset.
0: For this season, Trevor Story's home road splits. He's got an 878 OPS in cores. He's got a 647 OPS on the road for his career. That's 982 in Coors Field, that is 750 on the road. So it's not as simple as just saying Trevor is going to be a 750 OPS bat wherever he goes if he leaves Colorado. But, you know, it's probably somewhere in between there. 825, 850, maybe he kind of settles in there as still like a 25-25 type bat, which is a very valuable hitter. A lot like we said about Arenado, but he's just not going to be as good. I, I feel comfortable saying that.
1: It, um, it might be that he's like Bo Bichette. Frankly, I mean, you look at Bo Bichette, he's batting two eighty-one with 14 homers, 12 steals, so about a thirty, twenty-five pace with only an eight oh seven OPS. Yeah. So, I don't know, I'd, I'd probably pick Bichette to best story in batting average, you know, uh, post-core story and batting average, but not by that much.
0: If you were shopping Trevor Story for a starting pitcher, Scott, you're trying to get one of your top 10, top 5, What's realistic? A pitcher for a story? Yeah. You're saying? Yeah, yeah. Top if, if ten. Top, 10-ish. top ten? Top yeah. ten. So okay, like a if you can get a Bauer or a Giolito or Zach Wheeler or Corbin Burns, you're cool with that.
1: Maybe not Burns. Yeah. But those others sound fine. I I've got some concerns about Burns, multiple concerns.
0: Yep. Uh all right. On the hitter front, give you a few names. Would you trade Trevor story for Bryce Harper.
1: I don't think so. I, I don't know why. I just He's just been banged up so much lately. Yeah. I don't have a ton of confidence in Harper right now, and maybe that's not reasonable. But, yeah, it's, I, I have a hard time getting excited about that deal.
0: All right, two more names I'll give you, and then we'll move on. Kyle Tucker and Cody Bellinger. Would you trade a story for either? Well, uh,
1: I'm ranking them ahead of both rest of season, so... I, I think it's reasonable. I think those are all reasonable deals, but personally, I don't think I would.
0: All right. So if you are trading Trevor story, aim high, let's move on to some fun with pace numbers. And Shoyo Otani his first at bat in Yankee stadium. Hits his 26th home run of the season. He's currently on pace for 52 homers. We're right around like the 75 game mark at this point. So for a lot of these, I've just like doubled their production to this point. Um, Because, yeah, I'm not assuming anyone's going to play 162 games, but 150 seems like a reasonable expectation. Uh, Shohei Otani on pace for 52 homers, 220 runs plus RBI, and 22 steals. The guy is otherworldly. Vlad Jr. (laughs) also has 26 homers. He leads the league with 66 RBI. He's on pace for 52 homers and 132 RBI for Vlad Jr. Fernando Tatis, this one is... I mean, Scott, this is just bonkers because... Mind you, he's only played 61 games because he had that IL stint earlier in the year where he missed minimal time. Fernando Tatis has 25 homers and 16 steals in 61 games. Now, he's not going to get to 150 games this year, but his 150 game pace is 61 home runs and 39 steals for Fernando Tatis. Man. (laughs) It's just... It is otherworldly what he is doing right now. Like... Shoulder that is unbelievable. Shoulder injury does not matter. I mean, the, like, he's made up for everything that he's done in the field, by the way, because, like, defensively, he's, he's been an absolute mess. But, uh, yeah, offensively, um, Fernando Yeah,
1: Tatis. I mean, I was noticing Tatis had the highest point per game average uh, with Vladimir Guerrero being second. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, the only issue with him is we get these bi-monthly freakouts over his shoulder, Oh, he left the game again because that shoulder's acting up. Yeah. And that makes me want to discount him a little, at least. So, spoiler alert, he's actually third in my rest of season, drafting for the rest of season column.
0: Yeah, he's kind of like the hitter version of Jacob deGrom in that way, right? Where we kind of always have that lurking over over our heads when it comes to Fernando Tatis. Uh, Bo Bichette, who I wanted to mention in another shortstop here. 150 game pace right now. 28 homers, 100 RBI, 24 steals, 128 runs scored. Bo Bichette currently leads baseball in runs scored. So that whole Blue Jays lineup and and George Springer just joining them now. It's fun. It's a good time to be a uh, Toronto Blue Jays fan for sure. Uh, Some... Pace numbers based on players who had big games on Monday. Kyle Schwarber, another double dong. This this guy's. Every day we talk about Kyle Schwarber. I don't know, like, what else are we going to say about him at this point? He's now up to 24 home runs on the season. He has 15 in the month of June alone. He has 11 in his last nine games. Unreal. I mean, it helps, I guess, when you're facing uh, Jared Eikhoff. (laughs) But, gosh... Uh, he's on pace for 48 home runs that's Kyle Schwarber it's, I, I would have to imagine he's going to slow down but it wouldn't surprise me if he kind of settles in somewhere as like 35, 40 homers 250, 260 batting average that's, yeah I mean he was 38
1: two years ago so I would yeah. uh, if, if you're saying 40 he finishes this year with 40 I would. you're setting that as the over under I'd take the over not by much I don't think he's going to finish with 48 either but 41, 42 yeah. seems within the realm of possibility for sure
0: Nick Castellanos went 3-for-5 with a grand slam and 7 RBI on Monday. He hit his 15th home run of the season. Uh, the slugging has dropped off a little bit in June, but he's still batting three forty five overall, and Castellanos is on pace for 30 homers and 100 RBI. Actually, a little bit underwhelming when I looked into that, but the fact that he's hitting almost three fifty is, is just outstanding. He's uh, had... I think this was only his third home run of June. Yep, that's so correct. he's
1: had a powerless June for some reason, but still hit for plenty of average.
0: Whit Merrifield went three for five with his seventh homer, and he is actually mashing again in June. He's batting 349 after Monday's action this month on pace for 14 home runs and 42 steals with 190 runs plus RBI for Whit Merrifield. I would take the under on 42 steals, Uh, Whit Merrifield actually getting there, but he is far and away the biggest contributor in that category and plays for a team that is not going to limit him on the base path. So definitely helps there for Whitmerry Field. And then uh, Cedric Mullins, who I just want to give another shout-out to. The guy is just having a ridiculous year. Two for four with two more steals. He's now up to 14 stolen bases for the season. He's batting 313, adding 13 homers. He's on pace for 26 homers, 28 steals. He bailed on switch hitting coming into the year. Cedric Mullins did. And even with that, only batting left-handed, he's hitting three thirteen against lefties, and just his quality of contact is way up. He's hitting way less pop-ups this year uh, than ever before, so just really squaring the ball up. And I wonder if we see more hitters start to go down this route of just bailing on the switch hitting and and just bat left-handed and kind of figure it out. Maybe just focusing on one side of the plate that'll help them um, play better against left-handed pitchers, but
1: it's It's very much on trend uh with what we see at every other aspect of baseball where you just try to try to maximize what you're already good at as opposed to to designing yourself for for well roundedness it's I, I'm surprised it hasn't already happened given given the way the game is trending that you know switch hitting hasn't already fallen by the wayside because the more time you spend focusing on batting from one side of the plate, the more proficient you're going to become at it. And a lot of times these switch hitters, um, they end up not being very good from the right side just because they have fewer reps there. Now, somebody like Ozzie Albies is really interesting to me because he's always been much, much better from the right side, The less the side he bats from less often. So if he just gave up, switch hitting and became exclusively a right-handed hitter. How good could he be? I wonder. But I, I don't know that we'll ever find out because he's made himself an all-star caliber player in spite of his struggles from the left side. But it,
0: it makes me wonder. I have not looked that up this year, and it's something I always notice too with Ozzie Albies. It's just super weird that he mashes left-handed pitching as a right-handed batter, uh, and then the reverse... Or when he's batting left-handed against righties, and yeah, it's the it's the same thing again this year. If I have the right numbers pulled up here correctly and make sure, but yeah, versus left-handed pitching, Ozzy Albie's nine forty-five OPS this year, seven seventy-one against right-handed pitching. It's just it's one of the weirdest things that I've seen. But uh, in spite of it, Ozzy Albie's um, he's still a really productive player. Uh, all right, we're gonna take a quick break, but when we return. We're going to fire up the dropo meter here on Fantasy Baseball today. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Let's start things off with Reese Hoskins, who went 0 for 4 with three strikeouts on Monday. His batting average is down to 225, and he is batting 135 in June with a 63% fly ball rate. He's still 97% rostered, Scott. The drop meter 1-10 on Reese Hoskins.
1: I would say mm, it's like a four, three, let's say let's say three. It would have to be a pretty shallow league. I, I don't think it's unthinkable in like a points league where you just start one first baseman. But, uh, I mean, who? even in those shallower leagues, who's going to be out there at the position if you don't already have somebody else on your roster? CJ Krohn, maybe? I don't know that I would totally want to live and die by CJ Krohn.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We know how streaky Hoskins can be. You know, he disappeared for uh for like half of May and then came surging back at the end, ended up with pretty good numbers for the month. So I, I don't think he's gonna salvage his June in that way, but July could be amazing. So I think I think he's the same guy he's always been, and he's just cold right now.
0: It's frustrating because we often talk of Reese Hoskins as a strong head to head points player, Scott, but given his streakiness, that would actually lend him towards being a better Roto player just because it's okay. What does he accumulate by the end of the season? If it turns out to be two fifty batting average with 30 plus homers, I don't really care how I got it in a Roto league, but in a head to head points league, you kind of want that consistency week over week. And it's, it's just really frustrating for Hoskins. Well, he does have really good plate discipline and he walks a lot. It's you need more consistency in a, in a head to head
1: league. His walk rate this year is actually not that good. So I'm trying to I'm trying to check on the month by month breakdown to see if it's improved.
0: Yeah, it was the, it was like five or six percent in April, and then it's been over ten percent each of the next two months.
1: Yeah, so it it has gotten better, but still ten percent the last two months, a little over ten percent. When you know, in the past he's been like fifteen percent, so he's not even. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think your case for him being a better. Roto player is bolstered by, by that. Would
0: you drop him, Scott, for Joey Votto, who went two for five with his ninth home run on Monday? He's batting 265 with four homers in 19 games since returning from the IL.
1: I wouldn't, and, and you know, I've been talking about Joey Votto as a waiver pickup a lot lately. Um, I think we're at a point in the season, and I guess it's pretty normal the sort of that you get in the dog days and there's just not as much roster turnover to be found on the waiver wire. I know it's been a struggle finding players to write about in the almost daily waiver wire column and, you know, coming up with new hitters to write about in the, in the, the weekly sleeper, the the sleeper hitters column for the upcoming week, the sleeper pitchers column for the upcoming week. Everything's just kind of stagnant because the players who deserve to be rostered and the players who, don't deserve to be rostered. There's a clear delineation there that didn't exist so much in May and, and certainly not in April. There will, you know, as attrition kicks in, there will be other surges in the waiver wire in September. September is usually pretty wild, not necessarily because of call ups, but just because players are getting shut down and I, you know, I, I guess because weak pitching's weaker on the whole. You see these surprising hitter performances. But yeah, right now it's kind of it's kind of blah. Everything's kind of if if Votto deserves to be picked up in your league, he's probably already been picked up.
0: Okay, but you wouldn't drop Hoskins for him.
1: <laughs> no, I okay. wouldn't.
0: Would you drop Hoskins for? I don't think he would be available. But Ryan Mountcastle, he's eighty one percent rostered now, so that has surged up, and rightfully so. I mean, he went he added two more hits on. Uh, Monday, with his 14th home run of the season, his OPS is over a 1,000 for the month of June. The strikeouts are way down, too, from where they were at earlier in the season. If for some reason he's available, Scott, would you drop Reese Hoskins for Ryan Mountcastle?
1: I would it. no. But I, it has been... Yeah, I, I feel like I rushed to judgment on Ryan Mountcastle because it's it's obviously been a very strong month of June, not just in terms of of him hitting nine home runs for the month, but... The strikeout rate, which was up over thirty percent for most of the season, has gotten back to normal, back around twenty-five percent for the month of June. And if you know, obviously there there are landscape changes that may be contributing to that. So if that's really the truer version of Ryan Mountcastle, I was probably too quick to judge him.
0: All right, let's talk about Glaber Torres now because he went zero for four with two more strikeouts on Monday and. I heard at some point during the Yankees broadcast that he was four for his last 49. I think he had one more at-bat after that. So let's say Glaber Torres is four for his last 50. I looked at his last 110 games since the start of last season. Glaber Torres is batting at 240 with six homers, a .092 isolated power, that's slugging percentage minus batting average, a 5.6% home run to fly ball ratio. League average ISO is 160. League average home run to fly ball rate is 13.5%. Again, this is 110 games. Where he's batting 240 with six home runs. There was like a month-long stretch there where Gleyber Torres looked like he was coming around. He was hitting for more batting average. The power still was not there. Someone actually brought up to me on Twitter, is there a chance that He's kind of dealing with the effects of COVID. I think he's had COVID twice. He had it last year. He had it this year, even after having a vaccination. I don't know. That's like pure speculation. But Scott, Dropometer, Glaber Torres, the guy is lost.
1: Yeah, it hasn't been good. I don't really understand why he collapsed in this way. I mean, the power was, obviously it was huge in 2019, but it was very much there in 2018 too, after he got first got called up. Strange. Doesn't make a lot of sense. You look at the hard hit rates. You look at uh, the launch angle. The strikeout rate. I mean, they don't... They're not that different from those first two years Klayber Torres was in the majors. And so I've been holding out hope this whole time. But it's it's been a long time. It's been a long time. If he has a... Jose Ramirez-like, dare I say, Keston Hura-like resurgence, I don't think that would surprise me. So, uh, you know, certainly in like a dynasty context, I'd be reluctant to do that. But in just a smaller redraft league, I, if it's to the point where you obviously can't have him in your lineup anymore. And once you get to that point with the player, it becomes difficult to hold on to him. So drop a meter, I will say, uh, I'll say six for Gleyber Torres.
0: Six for Glaber Torres. Now, after I reveal all that information, Scott, would you like to drop him for Willie Adamas?
1: If it's somebody I have to start right now, yes.
0: Uh, Would you do it for Brendan Rodgers, Scott?
1: Mm, Again, I'd rather start Brendan Rodgers right now. So probably, yeah. (laughs)
0: All right, let's hit a few more. I got some Kansas City Royals here on the dropometer. meter. Jorge Soler went two for four on Monday, but he's batting 185 on the season with a 607 OPS. He's still 58% rostered, so he's on someone's team. Do you think Jorge Soler can be universally dropped? Yeah,
1: not so, holding out much home for him anymore.
0: So he is a 10 on the dropometer. meter. Yeah, sure, 10, nine.
1: Eight seven six five four
0: three two one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was trying to find a reason why Jorge Soler has been this bad. The only thing that I could see is that his home run to fly ball ratio is eight point seven percent this year. That was up over twenty two percent each of the past two seasons. So when he puts the ball in the air, it's just not flying over the fence as much as it used to. Could be related to the ball. Could be. Can't catch up to the sticky stuff. He's also been awful against fastballs this season, so I'm alright dropping Jorge Soler as well. Uh, Carlos Santana went one for four with his thirteenth home run on Monday, and oddly enough, he's done the the reverse of many other hitters, where he was awesome in April and then he's been really not so awesome since. So he was slugging .506 with an .869 OPS in April. Carlos Santana was since May first. He has a .352 slugging percentage. And a 720 OPS. He's still 96% rostered, Scott. Carlos Santana, drop meter.
1: Yeah, like a three. Maybe even I'd, I'd go lower than Reese Hoskins. Let's say Hoskins was a 3.5 and Santana's a three. Definitely not in a points league. What's what makes it even curiouser is that normally he's somebody who heats up over the course of the season. Normally pretty much better his months, his stats month by month. Um, which, you know, maybe is maybe is reason to believe he has a big second half in store, but it, it makes that April even curiouser.
0: Let's talk about a few of these waiver options. I already brought up Joey Votto, Scott. So you rank these four players that had pretty good games on Monday. Uh, Alec Boehm went two for three with a double, a walk, two RBI, and his fourth steal of the season. So it was a very good game. He's batting three thirty-three in June. However, he has zero home runs this month. So... Boom. Boom. 61% rostered. Uh, Joey Votto is 60% rostered. I mentioned he went two for five with his ninth home run. Hunter Renfro had a double dong. He is batting 272 with 11 home runs and an 802 OPS. It's actually been a pretty good year for Hunter Renfro. And then uh, Ryan Mountcastle, who I already mentioned, two more hits, 14th home run. Scott, how would you rank those? Mountcastle, Renfro, Votto, Alec Boom.
1: I would go Votto, Mountcastle, Renfro, who's been, been a very different hitter this year since April, actually batting about 300 and a much lower strikeout rate than in past years. So he's interesting. So, yeah, Votto, Mountcastle, Renfro, big gap. Then <laughs> Alec Bohm. Alec Bohm entered the day with a 590 OPS.
0: Yeah. It's uh, not what you want to see. Uh, he's no. Hitting more line drives this month. He's got like a 30% line drive rate in June, but also comes with a 53% ground ball rate. So, man, he's got to find a way to lift that launch angle, Alec Bohm. You might want to talk to uh, your buddy, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. about that. Uh, last point on Hunter Renfro. Whenever he has lefties on the schedule, just make sure you get him in the lineup because he's batting uh, three forty-seven with an OPS over 1,000 against lefties this season. And much worse against righties. So keep that in mind. Some deeper waiver options. Jonathan Dazza went two for four with a double, a triple, and an RBI. For the Colorado Rockies, he's batting 325. He's 19% rostered. Gregory Polanco is batting 199. Very bad. But he has nine home runs and eight steals on the season. So he is contributing some power and speed. Uh, Lamont Wade Jr. Last time I checked, he had two hits with uh, his sixth home run of the season. That came off of Trevor Bauer. He's 4% rostered. Deep league, Scott, anything deeper than 12 teams? You know, 14 teams are deeper. Daza, Polanco, Lamont Wade Jr. Any interest?
1: Yeah, I mean, they're they're right on the fringes in a 15-teamer. I, I just put in a bid for Polanco and won this weekend. I uh, at least looked into Wade. Daza, I mean, if he continues to play as regularly as he has been, you know, any hitter at Coors Field is interesting the lack of home runs, the lack of stolen bases for as many plate appearances as he has. I think it's going to keep his value on the low end, even if he gets that playing time. So I don't see any of these three breaking through and becoming 12-team material.
0: I did pick up Daza in a 12-team Roto League this weekend with five outfielders, just super desperate for an outfielder, and seven games at home in Coors Field. It's already worked out well through one game, so uh, hopefully he builds on that, but yeah, Daza, pretty good source of batting average, not really gonna give you much else. I mentioned at the top, I do have some trade talk that I wanna get into, and just wanna bring up the possibility, Scott, of selling high on Jared Walsh, because while he did go two for four with an RBI double on Monday, uh, he's kinda got the same thing going on with Carlos Santana and J.D. Martinez, where he was awesome in April, and since May 1st, he's batting 260, okay, strikeout rate, 55% ground ball rate for Jared Walsh. Uh, His splits this season are also awful. 527 OPS versus left-handed pitching, a 1075 OPS against righties. So it's tough because I think the Angels lineup is going to get better as Mike Trout gets healthy, as Anthony Rendon gets healthier. Uh, So that should help with his counting stats. But these numbers are kind of concerning, Scott. And I would just throw Jared Walsh out there to see what I can get. If you can get like an awesome return because of what he's done this season. Yeah, the overall numbers
1: still look really good. so It's something you could look into. I agree. But yeah, it's concerning. I mean, he was a big strikeout guy in the minors. That's what made his September breakthrough last year so surprising. But that strikeout rate has just been climbing and climbing this year. And I'm, I'm concerned. I'm concerned how much, if if he really has legs here as a every week fantasy starter.
0: Yeah, especially for a power bet too. It's it's exactly the opposite that you want to see. Strikeouts going up, ground balls going way up as well. So uh, based on the season that Jared Walsh has had, when I checked earlier, I think he was ranked as a top 20 hitter overall in Roto. He's a 33rd ranked player in Roto leagues this year. So if you could just sell him based on that, Something I would look into doing for Jared Walsh. How about on the other side, Scott? If you're looking to acquire a power bet, who would you rather target? Pete Alonso or Giancarlo Stanton? Both of them hit home runs on Monday. Pete Alonso went two for three with his 12th home run, and Giancarlo Stanton went one for four with his 14th home run. We haven't really talked much about either of these players recently, but specifically Alonzo, I think he's a really good buy low candidate right now.
1: I would agree his strikeout rate is like it like it's low it's it's low for a general hitter not just somebody with his kind of power potential it's 21% for the year that's uh that's really impressive and it's surprising his numbers aren't better as a result and and Stan you know he continues to do his thing in between injuries <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, yeah i mean of the two i'd rather have alonzo i think alonzo is going to cost you more mm-hmm. perhaps significantly more at stans still confined to to the DH spot to your utility spot in fantasy so that that makes him a difficult fit for some people. Um but yeah, if I'm looking for power, I think I think both of them are by lows. Yeah. Stan might be easier, I would prefer Alonzo.
0: Some leftovers from Monday, Wade Miley allowed four runs over six innings. He had seven strikeouts with a season high 17 swinging strikes. It was Wade Miley's first non-quality start since June 6th. Eli Morgan for the uh for Cleveland He was up against the Tigers, five innings, four runs, four strikeouts. He had a big swinging strike game his last time out. Took a step back here, only six swinging strikes. Gio Urshela went two for three with his 10th home run. He's having a very good June. He's batting 300 with an 867 OPS. Danny Duffy, not so great at the Red Sox. Three and a third, four runs. Velocity actually looked fine for him. Uh, Garrett Richards, stinker. Five and two thirds, 11 hits, five runs. (laughs) I mean, Scott, the spin rates... Fastball, uh, fastball and slider, they were down 230 RPM. His curveball spin rate was down 518 RPM.
1: Well, it was like a 60-mile-per-hour curveball, right? Yeah, he, yeah,
0: his velocity was way down. It was down 10 miles per hour on the pitch, so I don't know what was going on with Garrett Richards.
1: Uh, I saw a funny tweet from Chris Cotillo of MassLive.com. Garrett Richards says he learned a change-up this week in about three days and has added a 60-mile-per-hour curveball. Complete reinvention. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's not that easy to do that, right? To do either of those
0: things? No. No, it's not. <laughs> I learned
1: a change-up in three days. Yeah. I uh,
0: know. Uh, he could be dropped across the board, right, Scott? If you have Back on to team. the
1: drawing boards, yeah. yeah. All
0: right. Um, Freddie Peralta, ho-hum, another great start. Six innings, two runs, four walks, but eight strikeouts. Kyle Hendricks against the Brewers on the other side. Six innings, four runs allowed. His quality start streak ends at eight. Eight straight quality starts for Kyle Hendricks entering Monday. And I do have an update on Trevor Bauer, who was facing off against the Giants. Six innings, eight hits, two runs, one walk, eight strikeouts. He did allow two more home runs. They were... Obviously, both solo shots. And his spin rates, let's see where they're at. His fastball down 291 RPM. Slider down 130. Curve down 165. So, you know, it's kind of similar to all these other top-tier pitchers that are going through the same thing. Cole and Scherzer and Corbin Burns. But Trevor Bauer still found a way to be really productive against a strong Giants lineup. So I mean... Yes, but
1: but it was a one point five whip and he gave up two home runs. How effective was he really? I don't know. Not as effective. Like it it, it continues the trend of Trevor Bauer not looking all that dominant anymore. Still good. I, I don't I don't know that he's I don't know that he's ace material in fantasy. I don't know. I, I still have him as a second rounder in the in the redraft for the rest of the season, late mm-hmm. second rounder.
0: Yeah, Call to the pen from Monday. Some bullpen updates for the Rockies. Daniel Bard got his 11th save of the season. For the Nationals, Brad Hand recorded the final five outs for his 17th save. Uh, Ellie Glacius with the Angels picked up his 14th save. And since May 1st, he's got a 3.04 ERA and a 0.93 whip. So Glacius has been near elite closer. Uh, For the Red Sox, Matt Barnes got his 17th save. For the Orioles... Cole Sulser recorded five outs between the fourth and the sixth innings. And then Paul Fry came in in the eighth with a game tied, pitched a clean inning, and then uh, to face the top of the order. They tried to keep him out there for the ninth to work his second straight inning. Uh, And then he allowed three hits, three runs. It became a save opportunity. Adam Plutko, remember that guy? He used to be like a swingman pitcher for Cleveland. He came in and he got the final two outs picked up his first save of the season. So I don't know if that brings you any closer to figuring out Baltimore's bullpen, Scott, but I do think it's Paul Fry. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, who knows? Who knows? He, he's he's fumbled his opportunities as infrequent as they've been. He's I, I think that's two in a row where Paul Fry, I mean, he wasn't technically going to get a save in this one, but he had a chance to save his own win, so to speak, and couldn't come through. So I don't know. Cole Sulcer's actually gotten a couple saves, yeah. Um, so, you know, he he worked early in this game. So I, I don't know I don't know how much on the radar he is. I don't know how high on the radar he is necessarily, but it could be anyone. the The save opportunities haven't been fre- frequent enough for us to say with any real certainty what the Orioles plan to do. And, and Fry keeps blowing it.
0: Uh, to stream or not to stream? We'll start with Tuesday: Jamison Tyone versus the Angels. Andrew Heaney at the Yankees. Caleb Smith at the Cardinals, Zach Davies at the Brewers, Tony Santeon versus the Padres, and Chris Flexen at the Blue Jays. And I will just point out that the Yankees this year, uh, I thought they were much worse against lefties, but it feels like every time they face a lefty, they are awful. So I was going to use that in support of Andrew Heaney, but you know how inconsistent he is.
1: Yeah, I do. I think uh, I think Heaney... Tyone and Smith, Caleb Smith, are all fine if you need somebody, but I'm not dying to activate any of them.
0: All right. How about for Wednesday? We have Vladimir Gutierrez versus the Padres. Martin Perez versus the Royals. I wrote Caleb Smith. There's no way that that's right because I have him for Tuesday. Kwang Hyun Kim versus the Diamondbacks. Jake Arrieta at the Brewers. And John Gray versus the Pirates.
1: John Gray looked good in that first start back from the IL. Pirates are obviously an easy matchup. It is at home, but John Gray's always performed pretty well at Coors Field. So I, I think that's probably my favorite pick here. But again, I'm not thrilled to start any of these guys. If, if you're making me pick another, maybe Vladimir Gutierrez versus San Diego.
0: I know Martin Perez is not very good, but also the Royals are not very good. So I don't, I don't hate <laughs> now,
1: that. <laughs> is That is a... Argument you can be ma- that can be made for basically any pitcher facing the Royals. Yes,
0: <laughs> that is right. Uh, so the reason I got mixed up is because Riley Smith is actually starting that day for Arizona, and I would not try and stream him against anybody, not even the Royals. Let's wrap up with Team Name Tuesday. These are from Nick USDA Choice Cuts.
1: Choi, okay, like G Man Choi.
0: Yes, this is apparently referencing Choice Beef Grade and G Man Choice Swing.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> I think with a good gif as your uh, as your team logo. Yeah. If I'm taking a nice healthy cut. Yeah. It
0: might work. Uh, next one is Woodruff Woodpeckers. All right. That's, that's not bad. And his last point is, not a team name, but is Scott going to do more all that's fit for 8-Bits? Season one was great.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would like to. I would like to. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it was a lot of work. And each episode only got a couple hundred downloads. Yeah. So it took the wind out of my sails a little bit. And obviously, you know, there wasn't baseball until July of last year, which also helped uh, helped season one come together. But I haven't given up on it. I hope to revisit it later. Just have not had any time at all <laughs> since the season started to even think about working on it.
0: Yeah. Well, we've we've all got to start somewhere, Scott. But uh, yeah. who knows? Yeah. Maybe after the baseball season, you can jump back into it. Uh, this one's from Ben: Aquila and the Bee doo Bee doo Aquila and the Bee That That is a reference, apparently, to the movie Aquila and the Bee. I've never seen it, but there's also I've never heard of it. Like a thousand great movies that I haven't seen, so. Just add it to the list. This one's from Gabe. With both Starling Marte and Cattell Marte on my team, I'm going with the Super Marteo brothers. hmm <laughs> Scott, who's your go-to character if you play, I don't know, like Mario Kart or Mario Party or something?
1: Well, I don't... It I have a video game podcast, but I don't have a lot of experience <laughs> playing. The, the, the Mario Kart game that I by far have the most experience playing is Mario Kart 64. Okay. I don't know if they all work this way. And and really, I just have experience playing battle mode. And so I don't know if you remember in Mario Kart 64. If you were one of the Hulking characters, Bowser or Wario or uh Donkey, Donkey Kong, Kong. Yeah. You could you could destroy an opponent's balloon just by running into them. So that seemed like a good advantage to me, <laughs> better than speed. So I would I would usually be Bowser. I like the way his spiky back looked. Yeah. And, I, and I have I loved bowser's role in super mario rpg so i i I feel i feel a fondness for bowser just because that that him fighting alongside mario in super mario rpg was just like a a mind-blowing event to me
0: wow spoiler alert for those who haven't played it for like the (laughs) 30 years that it's been out uh that's a super underrated video game that was for the super nintendo right scott i think it's I think it's well rated. Oh, is it Super
1: right. Mario RPG? I think it's. I think people recognize it as a classic. Yeah,
0: it definitely is. I'm. I'm there with you. Uh, this one is from Peter Cool and the Gagne. Wow, Gagne is that Eric Gagne? <laughs> yeah,
1: sure. <laughs> That's is. That's a throwback. I mean, Chad Cool. Okay, all right.
0: Uh, this one's from sure. Tim, break me off a piece of that Lars Newt Bar. Yes, <laughs>
1: yes. There needs to be more Newt Bar. Theme names. The the impulse buy at the checkout line at an IKEA is the newt bar. Is there anything You've that you You've been there like all to- day, your stomach's growling. You, you can't resist the newt bar.
0: Gosh, you ever buy like one of those one dollar hot dogs in IKEA? I haven't,
1: but I bet it would be I <laughs> bet it would be satisfying.
0: I don't I don't think you should do it, Scott. This one's <laughs> from Bo, the Trevor Ending story. Come on, man. It's a great one. <laughs> Oldie but a giddy. My closer situation is Grave, man.
1: Oh, gosh. That's bad.
0: <laughs> uh, Will Smith and DJ Jazzy Chisholm. All right. that That's cool. I like that one. What's the best one today. Were you a Fresh Prince of Bel-Air fan growing up?
1: Not really, but I, I recognize. I know. I, I, I get that reference.
0: Yeah. Oh, I loved Fresh Prince growing up. Snell that. The odor is gross, man. (laughs) From the wanders to the walls.
1: All right. (laughs) They're both on the same team in real life. I like that. That's
0: right. It works. Uh, Put My Shirt and Tie On. Oh. I kind of like that one, actually. These are from Nick. 360 No Scope. I think that's a video game reference. But All right. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Verdugo. Vertigo.
1: Vertigo. I yeah. mean, that's how I thought you pronounced his name at first, was Vertigo. <laughs> so it would work better if that was actually the pronunciation, but that's fine.
0: Last one, Wanderlust. Sure. These are from a different nick. A fish called Wander. Okay. It's a wonderful life. All right. The Wander years. Sure. Wanderwall. I get it. Stevie Wander.
1: All right. From Jeremy. It's a versatile name, apparently.
0: <laughs> from Jeremy, Mr. Bombastic. That was my, uh, I guess that was my shaggy impression. Yeah. Uh, from Ashley. I don't know if I should say this one. No, let's skip Ashley. All right. <laughs> I had a back and forth with her. I'm like, is this a reference to something or is it just, right, I forget it. Uh, from Colin. Catch me if you canna.
1: <laughs> I mean, there's there's no improving can I get a what what for, for Canis oh. name and a team name. These sure. are
0: all uh, movie references. So, Scott, I'll let you guess at the end how many of these movies I've seen. Shevler's List. Uh, Shevler's List, you said? Yes. Yes. Uh, Citizen Canning. <laughs> all right. Pine Tar Wars. The Umpire Strikes Back. It's too much, but fine. Panic's Labyrinth. Okay, yeah, it's kind of a stretch. Escape from Alvarez. Sure. Okay. Now your bonus is that you get to guess how many of these movies I've seen.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna guess zero. Cause that would be totally Wow Scott, you
0: have no character. You have no faith in me, huh? I don't. Actually, I I was gonna I think the answer was zero, but now hold on a second. Which which Star Wars is that? Oh god, I'm gonna get so many emails about this. Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, I've definitely seen that, right? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing I just, would surprise me. It's one of the uh, the OG ones. Yeah, I've seen this. I saw it when I was growing up. I haven't watched it in a long, hey, long time. So sorry. I've seen one of them. Ha! Take that, I think Scott. I've only seen two, to be honest. All right. I mean, these are actually pretty well-known movies, so I think we yeah. both need to step it up. For Scott and Frank, thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye!